Where do you want to start? OTP. Yeah, the new, how, the new, the new thing. How how did on the program start? Uh, so there was obviously the um, the hiatus or whatever the word was from the from the previous programming company I was in, and you know I took a, a decision to step away from that. It wasn't really sitting with me and. <clears throat> As a result of that, there was a few clients who, or a few people I still felt I was invested in. They still felt invested in the process. And it was a very few. And, and I actually worked with them pretty much for uh, pretty much for free for probably about a year. Um, but it was something really nice about that disconnect from the financial obligation of having to deliver a service. It kind of took away a bit of the responsibility for me to <clears throat> deliver what, uh, not what I thought they wanted, but, you know, you also... It became a point where it was like if you if you told people the rest, they would have a go at you because they were paying you. Or and I had one particular interesting client, or he became a client for a while actually, who approached me via social media, and he didn't actually under, he didn't actually know that at the time. I just wasn't taking on paying clients, and he uh, he came on board. And I think I sent him a program, and I said this is exactly what you need. And he had a go at me, went that's not what I want, and I'm the client, I'm paying you. And I went, oh no, you're not. And uh, he tried to pay me for a long time and I wouldn't let him. And one of the reasons was one of the great topics that came out of it with him was he felt if he paid me, he could own how I delivered something and what I delivered. <clears throat> and I think, you know, it's a really interesting like uh, thing with Socrates is like he says, like when someone says, oh, Socrates is a smartest man. And he's like, well, only the smartest man can tell me I'm the smartest man. Therefore, he's smarter than me. So I wouldn't be the smartest man on, it, on like in the country. Or in Earth. And it was that really interesting thing where it made me think about, you know, a lot with the clients, the delivery is that if they have an expectation of what the program should look like, they're either better than you or they have an expectation based on their limited experience. And then you become accountable to what they think the service should look like. And I'd already gone down a long route previous to that, which ended in a destination where I wasn't happy with. Um <clears throat> So it gave me an opportunity to say, actually, there's no financial obligation for me to be what you think that I should be to you. I can actually start to think about this whole process again. Um, and so that just kind of that just kind of um, trickled on and trickled on working with these clients and working with these people and even discussions with you guys, which led me on to kind of, I don't know, decide what tangibles and intangibles I felt were important to programming and important to the service and important to the discussion around training. Yeah. Um, knowing that once you understand programming, once you understand the principles, um, that's a very subconscious um, part of the part of the part of the equation. So you're just programming. You just, I can understand how to write workouts. I can understand how it goes. I find it harder to explain because I've taken on so much information. It's just subconscious. I can just kind of deliver the idea of a training program really easy. It's that it's all of the bigger picture stuff around it, which excited me. So I guess part of it and the long-winded answer to your question was OTP started out of a step away from something else and a um step away from the financial obligations to rethink the way I was doing what I was doing. Um, that married up with eventually having a really interesting conversation with um, uh, with a young guy who, if you follow me, although it's Hindley, um, who basically rang me up one day and said, you know, 
I was in, I was, I remember it vividly. I was in Antwerp in a, in a train station, killing some time for a couple of hours. And he said, Oh, we have a chat about training and chat about where, what, where I'm at with my career or whether I could have a career. And he posed me the question of what could you do? What could it be like? And then that got me to rethinking, okay, if I was to step back into the arena, what would I build? What would it look like? And more exciting in an exciting aspect, how could that include this, this character who'd phoned me up out of the blue and asked me, you know, ask me a good question. What would you do? And um, OTP was kind of on its way to becoming, bo- uh, becoming born. Um and I didn't have a name for it. We just sat there one day and um, he said, let's, uh, he just messaged me one day. He's like, you should probably put something out. And I was like, oh, give me 15 minutes. And um, I churned out this really quick PlayStation-esque logo with my initials on. And uh, one of my clients who, uh, um, Axel, who's currently out at the uh, Beijing Olympics, he um he posted a backscrot workout I'd given him and it was him sat next to a bench and he put on the program with Paul Warrior. I was like, cool. So all the pieces, they're kind of a, a year's worth of deep reflection meets somebody interesting coming over and, and posing me a really interesting question and some guy I was helping just writing a slogan on, on Instagram and I was like, okay, let's go. It's go time. And everything else literally it all fell into place in like a few days, if that. So you're six months in now, aren't you? Yes. And during that time, it's just steadily grown and grown and grown. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't feel steady, to be honest. It feels feels quick. Um, and that's, that's not with lots of advertising either, is it? No, we... I mean, it started out with an identity, which which did which did grab attention and was kind of, I guess, quite clever and witty, and it did fall like uh, play into some like gamer culture and some like geeky aspects of the things I like, which I think brought familiarity with people. But even as we've gone further with it, we've we've stepped away from the advertising and the trying to sell it in the same way because you know you see a lot of the brands out there who are trying to push and sell and buy this program, invest in this program. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely certain that the programming, I know the pro, the programs I write. I know they're world-class because of the caliber of people I've worked with and where they've gotten to. However, not to sound big headed, but however, people, I don't, people are signing up to be part of something. People are signing up to be part of the community and part of the group, group of people who are in discussion with us. And the more I try and sell something, the less I'm talking to them, the less I'm saying what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling or what matters. And it kind of hinders the marketing trying to sell it. Um, and instead, where with previous businesses, I always maybe champion maybe myself or maybe champion the people around me or the, the, the particular couple of uh, athletes that I might have had access to. Actually, you know, the the timeline or the advertising around it isn't, isn't about me it maybe is my curation of things that they're doing but it's just about the people who are who are doing the program and that's it the the otp instagram is about celebrating those who are on board whether it's a breakthrough in what they've said to me in a conversation that might get posted or a, a conversation that's led to a thought uh, that i've just posted quickly as an instagram story and posted it or 
you know, a celebration of an action or an activity they've been involved in, whether it's a competition or whether it's a, a new lift or whether it's a breakthrough movement that they've done. And actually, one thing where I think I lacked in the past was you really struggle to celebrate those moments. Maybe it was a bit of imposter syndrome. Maybe it was, I don't know, another, another deeper meaning. But actually, the OTB timeline is just, just the community doing the community stuff and having each other's backs. Yeah. It's really interesting because I think Sean and I were talking about this earlier that there's definitely a shift in so to the previous business to now. Previously, you were quite confrontational. Is that a fair comment? Hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely. Um, but perhaps def- not so much now. Um, it's not without confrontation because I'm always trying to challenge something. Um, we're always trying to challenge something. I'm trying to challenge myself. I'm trying to challenge the way I used to do it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm much more in... The... We can't help but be reactional sometimes. But often now, I, I take those things that do challenge me and I start to ask a different question. So it's not, you know, it's not, oh, that thing annoyed me. It's that, oh, that doesn't sit right with me. What would be cool? Like, what would be the cool outcome? What could we do better? <laughs> you know, and... You know, we had a conversation today, me and uh, me and my, one of my business, my, me and my business partner for a new affiliate. And he was like, can you give, can you get me a contact number? We need to talk about all the gyms that are in the area that aren't affiliated. I'm like, what's that got to do with us? Like, why aren't we just celebrating what we are, not what they aren't? Why aren't we making this about a positive? Why aren't we opening up the community and growing the community? Why aren't, instead of shutting people down, we help them open up in a better way? What if we all become a big thing together and actually we increase the fit. And so it's taking these points of conflict or, you know, that arise and starting to try and just reflect on a better answer, a better question, maybe um, to try and establish what would be cool rather than what do we hear? So going back to the period that you said you were kind of without going into detail, sort of you left what was previous behind and then yep. you had this period where you were finding what was important to you. Yeah. Did you have a conscious awareness of the fact that you were disillusioned with how things were within, let's say, within CrossFit, within fitness, within what people wanted? Um, did, did that drive I, I, your soul searching and trying to find the next thing? I, I think when you are very, very fixed mindset on your way and your beliefs, and then you decide, and then you go through whatever version it is of your life where you decide not to be so fixed mindset, um, and you become open up to other possibilities and other thoughts, I think it's hard not to soul search and actually look back at some of the stuff and not necessarily look back in embarrassment, but but um, a look back into what you were 100% sure about and realizing that perhaps it's not as black as white as that. And perhaps it's very different for different people. Uh, you know, I mean, lockdown was a big, was, was, you know, was a big existential pit for a lot of people. Yeah. And I saw a lot of, you know, it, there was a lot of polarity in the fitness industry. There's a lot of people who are sure compassion, but then also like, you have to do this. You have to eat this way. The government have to act like this. We have to be doing these things. You know, people getting angry at the health service and angry at the government because they're not doing their job. And I'm like, no, I, in some ways I was like, no, that's my job. 
That's what I've decided to do as a profession is to encourage people to do health and fitness. That's I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming Boris for not shouting loud enough about running because the dude obviously doesn't like running. You know, he doesn't seem to be his main thing. Like, that's cool. His main thing is politics. But my main thing is sport and fitness and health and community and people. You know, maybe instead of attacking one person, what about if we try and do something cool? What if we find a different way and a broader way, way, broader way to reach the masses? And, you know, everybody knows health and fitness is better. Everybody knows eating a carrot is better than eating a Big Mac. You know, I don't think anyone's encouraging doing the other. And I'm not offended that when people do, I'm not offended when people go to, you know, they finally get out of lockdown and, and with that newfound liberty, they get to go to KFC and enjoy it. Good on them. Let's not, let's not belittle them. Let's not belittle their current social uh, beliefs and presence and things that they want to eat. Let them enjoy it. And, you know, so, yeah, I went through this big, long phase where I had to step back and go, start to think and feel like other people are. Because nobody, nobody wants to put the, well, people might, but not everyone wants to put their life at risk. Not everyone wants to make themselves unhealthy. Not everyone wants to do these things. Do you know what? Do you know whose fault it is? If I'm not reaching enough people, mine. If I'm not sending the right message and using the right language, and if I'm condemning people and I'm, you know, making my language so, so, so out there and esoteric and architectural related that, that, regular people if you want to use that phrase not, not you know regular people can't understand it how am i ever going to encourage them to to to, to, to do get into health and fitness you know and it, so so the six months you've had with otp has there been a shift in the language you've used and the and the way you frame things deliberately I, I don't think it's been deliberate but i've definitely drawn influence from uh, probably investing more time in looking at communities who build communities who encourage growth i mean those who follow me are probably interested and are seen sorry that i'm interested in the nft culture one of the reasons i've been really excited about that is by all of these groups of people who are creating chat rooms and chat spaces and and encouraging each other and giving people hints and tips about growing and celebrating each other's growth and each other's progress and I'm, and I'm int more interested in that community. Don't get me wrong. I don't need to be as interested in the product, but I can equally be as interested in the community and understanding that language. And it's infectious. And it's infectious because you see it on the OTP timeline where everybody is like, I'm now writing, everybody get behind this person's new lift and everyone is cheering for them. And I'm like, oh my, this is amazing. Like, <clears throat> you know, so language there has been a cognitive shift in the sense of if i have a reaction i try to reflect on maybe where my reaction isn't coming from a great place if it isn't and then um i try to make sure that the language and the word that the words that i put out um you know words can speak life or words can speak death and i try to go further on the life aspect of it than i do the death aspect of it so yeah, there's been a, a cognitive shift for sure there. And would you, sorry, Sean, were you going to say something? I was just going to touch on the pandemic because um, you mentioned it there, Paul. I think the world, so the way I look at things is people develop habits quite quickly. So yeah. the pandemic forced people to stop doing certain things 
and to start doing other things. They probably stopped doing good things, stopped doing bad things, started doing good things, started doing bad things. And I feel because it's gone on so long, people have become used to doing things that they established within the first six months of the pandemic or so, such as stopping going to the gym entirely or stopping caring about the health entirely because of that outlet that they had was no longer available and started to not be able to communicate with people face to face and in groups relied thoroughly online for things. Lots of workouts became well, online PTs, shall we say. And, you know, people who are only online PTs who, you just do that and sell the programs and people do it like the old uh, get fit with Lizzie from TVM back in the, back in the day. Um, it was Mr. Lizzie, Motivator. Wasn't it? Mr. Motivator. Oh, yeah. 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 The green goddess. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of regressed to that to a certain extent, I feel. But what I get a sense of is that there are things that are coming out of that, such as the stuff that you're trying to do, which is trying to, I suppose, join together the online stuff but also acknowledge and not acknowledge is the wrong word, but to allow for the old fashioned, as we now call it, way of doing things, which is as a community with people. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent, and this isn't just with fitness, this is to do with everything. I think in a way people have forgot how to, forgotten how to do that in a way. Yeah. And I think people need guided back towards how to be able to do that and how to speak to people, how to, how to build people up, how to say well done to somebody. Yeah. And I I think, yeah, sorry. I think a lot of people and a lot of businesses felt threatened during the COVID and the lack of stability and the lack of stability and the lack of finance for uh, not just the like social, social exclusion and us all being isolated, but also I think, you know, I think, for me personally, and a lot of community leaders in the fitness industry completely lost my respect throughout the whole the whole scenario. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of businesses um, in, took a lot of grants. I think, and a lot of them took them for granted, and they invested in their in their own businesses and their own units in a way that reflected an old way of training, like. You know, if, if clients aren't walking back through the door with the same intentions and the same reasons, then perhaps the old method that we had at the beginning isn't the new method now. And we all, inve- everyone invested looking back and trying to make what they had bigger. Um, and I don't believe we really invested that time in, in our clients. I think we spent, spent too much time as a community, you know, driving tanks up to parliament or whatever, complaining that people weren't doing stuff and whilst shaking energy drinks around. I think, you know, we did a lot that we, we signed petitions to say it affected mental health, but whilst we weren't really there for their members and what got me more than that was the fact that all we, but we, you know, we said, oh, the gyms being closed is affecting everyone's mental health when they, the, the, the thing that they were looking for was exercise, encouragement and community. And that, and like, as I found with OTP more recently is I, I lost faith in the word community because I felt like it had become a strap line for uh, community leaders or gym owners who had the biggest investment and were getting the money in um, and were extracting from clients and extracting from the governments. And, and I felt community became a way of making people dependent on an environment, dependent 
having access to that environment of that culture was dependent on you paying a constant income or a constant financial contribution to that individual. And it wasn't, it was individuals who were taking that. And as a result, they shouted very loudly and created complete distress in the environment because everyone thought that gyms being closed was the reason that mental health was failing. And it wasn't the gym in itself being closed. It was the exclusion of, it was the people's exclusion, people's being taken away from other people. It was the lack of community. It was the lack of of care, Um, you know, and continuing, you know, to take income off people in that time. I think it kind of bred distrust in the fitness industry uh, with with the clients, with the people who needed our help and support. And for me, on a personal level, it created a lot of distrust in me uh, with them. And so I think I'm not surprised that now there's a massive shift in fitness culture. And, you know, um, ultimately, at the end of the day, the client is the person with the power because without them, we are we are nothing um as businesses and i don't think we listen to people i think we just played on our own insecurities and fears that maybe we weren't worthy enough um and we blame the government for that and you know i'm not saying the government isn't to blame for some things and you have to ask other questions about how do we bring a community together how do we get people behind each other i've got clients this weekend who are traveling to other clients who they don't know as competitions to watch them compete that didn't happen in some of the affiliates i've been in let alone with people who've only met each other through liking each other's instagram posts and celebrating their wins and that's that's huge and that makes me super excited and you know maybe 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 I was a pessimist in saying I didn't believe in community. Um, I just needed to realise that community was very little about me and more about the people in the group. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think you've you've gone out to create a community, did you? It's kind of dare I use the word? You know, it's happened organically. It has just grown of its own accord, and conversations have probably happened without you knowing it and then it's come out at another stage absolutely absolutely and it's just incredible to see um and i think also if we look at when people are threatened they tend to attack as opposed to take a step back and try and think more broadly and i think that's what we saw during lockdown everybody was on the attack as opposed to stepping back and going right actually this isn't great. Yes, there are things going wrong, but what could I do to contribute to maybe make things better? Not many people stood back and did that. It was more, they were just railing against the machine and saying, I want this, 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 this is wrong, this is wrong. Whereas they could have used that time and energy to go, okay, this is not great. It would be good if we did this, but what can I do? Well, let's reach out to my members and use the platform and say, okay, I'll sort this out for you. We'll do this. Let's have a Zoom group where we can talk and you know, that seven o'clock group that always came in, those five guys and the two ladies, they could have a conversation and still have that interaction. I don't think enough of that happened. Certainly not from from my small lookout tower, as it were. No, I don't I don't think it did. Um for me personally, and, and you know, even I even I think maybe now we're already learning to get there. Maybe it's just that we've just upskilled ourselves, right? In the terms of this this communication. I mean, Zoom wasn't really is not something I'd ever heard of pre-pandemic. And it's definitely, I mean, I used to drive 
for like leads to meet people. Now that seems outrageous. It's just like just jump on a Zoom call. But um, um, yeah, so we, maybe we've just upgraded ourselves and our technical ability. And maybe it, maybe it does lend ourselves to being a little bit more skilled and being able to use it in a more confident and practical way. Um, I mean, you were part of the you were part of the talks, the open talks during the pandemic. Yeah. You know that that little community group for me was the first time I was like, oh, this thing works. But all those people started helping each other out in the group, and I just sat quietly, and I was like, oh, this is this is this is pretty magical. This is a this is a moment. This is for me that was a shift. That exact little group, them little open zoom groups but just that small group where we're trying to get a little bit of feedback so we can feed it back to the community i was like wow you guys actually want each other to do well i think i think it's enabled as in having people geographically spaced out but coming together whether it's in a a, a zoom call or a forum it makes you realize that um how best to put this so if we take a religious context, you don't have to go to church to speak to God. You can speak to God wherever you are. You don't have to go to the gym to speak to the guys doing the same exercises. You can do it on a Zoom call and still have the same conversation. You know, God, that was a hard workout. How are you going to try and do this? What sort of advice you've got? And it's just it broaden our options, perhaps. That's a better way of putting it. We're not so narrow-focused. Yeah, I think so. I, I definitely think so. What's really interesting as well is the guys in different programs, like you know, the people who are on the kind of functional training, which is a step away from that competitive um, CrossFit style training, versus the ones on the competitive CrossFit style one. Like them guys still are all communicating with each other. There is some similarities in the programming at times, so they have com- commonality in what they've got to talk about. But they're all still just they all get that even if they're not doing the same exercises then people are still training and are still part of the same group of people who are just trying to better themselves through exercise. And watching those people get along is really exciting. Yeah, that's because we all suffer at your hand. So we've got a common ground. Well, I know, yeah. <laughs> a common enemy. <laughs> just going back to the, the point about <clears throat> the pandemic affecting the sense of community and communication, I'd argue, and I'm, whilst you were just talking there, I was just sort of thinking that's probably why this podcast exists. It probably 100%. wouldn't wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for the pandemic and a need to <clears throat> communicate, discuss, share ideas yeah. in a way that had been lost for quite a long period of time. If if you'd have wanted if you'd have thought about doing a podcast a year before the pandemic, you would have thought you needed a room full of egg crates. You didn't need to be in the same space. Yeah. You needed like, you know, one of these things kicking around or 50 of them. You know, you'd need all of these pieces of kit. And you're doing it from you're doing it from in your in your front room or whatever room that is, you know, you're there with a with a set of headphones in. Yeah. <laughs> the the technology's allowed you to communicate and to communicate with people like I know who your last guest was. I mean, that's incredible. Not just communicating with the likes of me, commun- communicating with Kelly Starrett. Yeah. You know, these guys, like, I wouldn't even imagine being able to have a conversation with that guy in real life other than buying his book. And that's not a conversation, obviously, it's just reading his words, but yeah, that's and still, phenomenal. And still, Mark Twight refuses to do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> he wants to do it in person. I mean, he wants to in, do person, it in person. In person is good because there are lots of things you pick yeah. up. And when we did a podcast with Andy McKenzie, because his his internet wasn't great, he took it and turned his video camera off. And that completely changed the dynamic because you can't see the little subtle cues and the conversation and the facial expression. So it does it does make a difference. That said, actually, once we get rolling, people relax and you can see as we have the conversations and it kind of just unfolds from there. And the reality is there's no way Sean and I could do this together if it was an in-person thing, given that we're about five hours apart in <laughs> different parts yeah. of the country. It works. And that's the power of that's the power of the connection, the community, and the thing that we're getting behind. And when and yep. when that's connected with a growth mindset where someone has the courage to ask someone else a question, like, would you like to do a podcast with me? How about you think we do a podcast together? You know, that and then all of a sudden, amazing, you just communicate with a few people and it, the people that you impact and the people whose lives you change and getting people like Ross on, like who I absolutely adore. Uh, getting people like that on it, it, it there's not many pl- platforms willing to have a conversation with someone about the things that he's got <clears> to talk about at the moment and and I love that you know because that's m- my friends getting together having a, a communication with growth in mind everyone wants to help each other out in that scenario and and so you know I think yes yeah, so has my language changed yes because I can see so much better in getting behind each other and that comes and i've mentioned this maybe to you before is you see the grime industry you see the likes of like the clothing company like cole buxton you see that they're a group they're surrounded by groups of people and friends all helping them grow all clapping for them all supporting them you know the grime scene was all about you know getting the next person up get celebrating the next person's album getting behind it when Skepta brought his album out, everyone, all of the, all the like the Boy Better No crew, all of those guys totally got behind him and elevated it. And he like rose to the top super quick. And it's watching a community where, you know, those guys were excluded or didn't get into the R&B clubs or whatever happened to them. And watching them just like, you know what, we're going to create our own thing and we're going to make it amazing. And we're all going to get behind each other. And a lot of it's lyrics about growth, about mindset, about, trust and actually it's not dissimilar to listening to the motivational podcasts or the motivational comments on Instagram or you know that old like motivational philosophy they're just singing about the same they're just rapping about the same thing I think and I think it's cultures of growth when CrossFit's first launched you had a bit of skepticism and then it grew because people had this sense of cheering and the community and I think that's still largely there, but I think there's also now there's a much more competitive side. Yeah. And it's been a long time since I've been in a box. So if I'm talking out of turn, then I apologize. But I, I do think there's an element that there is some separation now because you've got this, oh, that's the big competitors over there, Oof, the big dogs, they're very serious. <laughs> Whereas perhaps you've got the people that have just come in and they've done their introduction stuff, but they're not as confident. And it does sometimes there seems to be a little bit of separation and I appreciate that will be dependent on the on the community within the box maybe I'm wrong I, I yeah I mean I, I felt like that maybe I'm just being out of touch with um, with affiliates run normally now um, and I do think that we've definitely had that epoch of the separation 
And in the first affiliate I worked at, it was something we tried to always, we always had the, you know, the the elite athletes, if you wanted to call them that, the guys who'd compete at a higher level, whatever you want to say, they, at that time, they were always trained with the class. That was part of what they did. They got trained with the class plus get got extras from me. That was the, that was the rule. And actually a lot of those guys would really, really be welcoming, welcoming to the, to the community, to the regular members, especially the new people would be happy to work with them. And actually a lot of the insecurity went from the bottom up. So it went from, Oh, I don't want to train with them. They're too strong. And that was generated out of a space of fear. You know, Oh, you know, it was never the, it was never the, the, it was never the, the high caliber, the, 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 the more mature athlete saying, I don't want them on my bar. Um, I'll have to change the weights. It was never that way around. It was always the, the it was always the, the lower caliber who felt a bit insecure, who was like, oh, I don't want to go with them. I'll, I'll hold them back. I don't want to go with them. They'll have to change the plates for me. And I think it was just our inability as community leaders at the time to learn how to manage that well enough. And, you know, again, back to that mindset shift, that's where I need to ask other questions. It's like, if you open affiliate, how do I stop that from happening? How do I encourage that broad, inclusive um, training space. Yeah, I think we, we touched we touched on this when we talked to Carl Carl Stedden mm. um, in terms of the the way in which the affiliate owners set up like their particular facilities and the message that they give when people walk through the door, whether it's someone who's competing at a high level or whether it's someone who's just walking through the door for the first time. And they've never done anything in their life. They're just looking for something to try and <clears throat> try and better themselves. And that, in Carl's view, was was CrossFit was what it's about. It caters for all levels. Yeah. One thing I would say, from my point of view, and I know that this was <clears throat> my issue, nobody else's issue. This was mine. I didn't become intimidated by people who are really good. And as we know, kind of where I used to work out, as you know, Paul, there were some good athletes came through. There were some good people trained there. I used to feel inadequate because I, yeah. I wished I could do those things whilst I was struggling <laughs> yeah. you know, to, to, to pick up any, any sort of weight in a snatch. And they were just snatching, oh, God knows what it was, and made it look effortless. I was like, well, what's the point? Yeah. You know, th that's kind of how I felt. And for me, coming away from that and stripping that away and just being me on my own yeah. has removed that. Yeah. And I feel much better about myself and my own abilities because not that I was comparing, it's just, I suppose, in a way I wished I could do it. Yeah. But I, I don't think that was the affiliate's fault. I think that was probably just me. Uh, no, yeah. but I mean, a bit of both. Bit of both. Think, Everyone's going to walk in with those insecurities. I guess we all start at that point at some point. So maybe the onus is on those. So um, speaking from a rugby position, when I used to be quite good at rugby, I would try and seek out those that weren't so good and try and help out. Or if I spot new people coming in, as a team, as one of the leaders within the team, I felt it was my responsibility to, to yeah. welcome people in and put an arm around them and say, how can I help? So maybe it's about maturity and as in maturity and mindset, not necessarily years of age, 
and leadership and just trying to encourage people in and that can be wherever that can be on an online situation or in a in-person situation i think if you're well established you should put an arm out as opposed to sticking a finger up yeah i think i think it's a big balance and the, the, the ownership on everything falls with ourselves the, you know I'm, I'm i'm responsible for in in that story i i mean i would never t- i don't take it personally but i also can ask the questions of where could i have done better and that and that's then that's the only question i can really answer ask or answer you know is uh, is what could i have done better in that scenario because there is going to you're not the only person who felt like that i felt like that i felt as a coach as all of my peers were instantly getting better than me and i was getting a lot of you know at the, probably at the beginning a lot of good information from people who've done sports science etc with stuff i just don't believe and still don't didn't believe and don't believe and you know i watched my peers who had sporting backgrounds naturally get better than me quickly and it was demotivating and the more I became a coach I felt the higher I felt people's expectations of me were and as a result I invested more time in coaching less time in training and then you walk into a room and they ask people what do you think the most important thing of being a coach the first person gets up it is well if they don't look the part and they can't lift they must be useless (laughs) and then you're in a room trying to defend yourself and I learned to defend myself by you know being a the way I was, I'd say a mouthy prick, a mouthy prick might have been the right phrase of using it because that was my way of dealing with fear and that I didn't achieve what I thought the expectations of me were, and that made being I mean, look, it made me a great coach and a great programmer. I can't, I'll never take it back, and I love my training now. But it took me, it took me three years being away from an affiliate to even like training again you know and when i've now i've got now i've got a full-time coach or a full-time a member of staff you know we have allocated specific training hours in his day so that i can encourage him never to make that same mistake i did you know it's my job to manage you know i would say my i don't want to say my member of staff as i have ownership of him but the person who is who I'm responsible for and responsible for their salary is to ensure that where I really struggled being an employee in the fitness industry. And that was watching coaches be as disheartened as you was to be as disheartened as you were as with your own expectations and, and fears when you walked into a gym is to make sure that, that both clients, athletes, coaches, and staff, try not to feel that mm. because you know it's easy to sit there and go be stoic don't feel it don't say it you know you're fine it doesn't matter what people think of you you know it, it you can't help be human too exactly yeah and and the the human element of that as well it, it doesn't mean to say that your experience you didn't just give up and walk away you still got the job done. You still did what you needed to do. And you didn't leave feeling inadequate because you couldn't do your 100 kilo plus snatch or whatever it was. Yeah. You still came out with a, with a benefit. You still were better than you went in. Yeah. But <laughs> there's that 
niggle, shall I call it, and that's probably all it was, that I can imagine a lot of other people do feel without it ever being an issue. It's just a niggle and something that you would rather not have. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I cannot answer, I cannot be the answer to every problem in the fitness industry or even any, only only the scope of what I deal with firsthand. But I think one thing I'm proud of with the current community and the people interested in it is it feels to me, you know, there, there is that, I've worked with super high caliber athletes and there is that point where I'm like, Oh, when's the next one coming along? When's the next one? You know, when, who's the next Well, I've got these people. They're going to be amazing. And actually, do you know what? All the athletes I'm working with, when you see my, when you see the timeline on OTP and you see the messages people are sending each other and you see what people are overcoming, whether they're doing podcasts or opening up coffee shops or, you know, doing their first competition or I, I don't really like it. Almost the output doesn't need to look the same for everyone. You know, the, that's good because we're all different. <laughs> exactly, and 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 it should be because yes, it's it's talking about athlete, athleticism, but it, it's about empowering lives. Yeah. And you know, yeah. someone who gets someone who gets the best in the box, but doesn't get to be like a, a person who gets the best in the box doesn't end up being a superstar or anything. Doesn't get very high. Is the best in the box, but they've destroyed their personal life and lost connection with the world. They, they didn't win. They didn't win fitness. <laughs> and you know, it's, it, it's empowering people. And that's where I'm most, play- and don't get me wrong. There was people in the community who will maybe feel like they don't feel confident enough to comment or they don't feel like they are part of the crew yet because maybe I, I haven't reposted them because they're private or maybe I've missed something along the line. And there will always be someone who feels left out and like, are you, you're not, I'm hoping that's not the case, but I, I am excited to see where, where I'm excited to see where the, um, you know, there's a guy from France today, he messaged and he just went like, he PBJT, he sent some love hearts for the workouts and then sent some love hearts for the, um, sent some love hearts for the uh, for the community and I thought that was just amazing then I had one guy like in France another guy a, a really cool weightlifter who like is snatching something ridiculous like 130 or something at the moment and um, he like he asked for our address and he just sent the he sent the, the campfire the gym he sent us a card of all the pictures of his newborn baby in France I'm like how sick is that like I don't need it like I've seen him go I've seen him get gold medals in the weightlifting competitions and things. Dude just sent me a picture of his newborn baby that, you know, whilst he's PBing, like who's got time for that? (laughs) um, You know what? And that, you know, that kind of thing, that thing, that didn't happen before with the, with the old business. And that's not to, I'm not devaluing the old business. That was part of the experience and part of the, uh, part of that life. And those guys can like grow that and make that really exciting. But that ship wasn't sailing where I was going anymore. And um, and this one is is sailing with a lot of cool people, and it's making me pretty excited. Yeah, and it's just touching again. I know Paul, you can jump in with your next question, but just to go back to because it's on a th- similar thread to what we discussed with Carl, and I did say a few weeks ago that walking into the CrossFit, the CrossFit gym was one of the best things I ever did in my <laughs> late thirties, and I stand by that mm. because, as he said. The job was done because it armed me with the tools I need over a period of two or three years 
to be able to move on and know what's important, know what I need to do and not need the affiliate anymore. Yeah. So, so I'm not, the things I was saying in terms of that comparison and feeling slightly inadequate wasn't all negative. It wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. negative, I suppose, the, the way in which people view the fitness world. Yeah. I mean, that then feelings can also drive people to excellence. You know, but some of those feelings you'd write with, the, with, with, you know, the, with the right cocktail of other feelings, you know, you know, I remember going, when I went to uni, when I went back to uni to do architecture and I was in, um, I was studying and we were, uh, it was a remote, remote program. <clears throat> um, it was a remote program and I was around part two architects. I was doing part one and I, I started work trying to work like those guys. And I was only doing part one, but I had a massive fear of expectation that everyone else was being way, way cooler and way better than me. And like, you know, and that kind of, that fear at the time drove me to put producing some work. I ended up getting, you know, I ended up doing ex- exceptionally well in that, in that university, in that course, but it was built out of that fear and insecurity that I wasn't doing enough. But I guess the difference there was I couldn't actually see what anyone else was doing. I was blinkered. So I just yeah. overshot so, so much. And, and you know, in, in that instance, so some of those feelings, the thing is, I guess with that, it's about personal nurturing and understanding of them. And it's easy to do in reflection when we're older. And secondly, maybe the nurturing of that from the environment. And that, again, that was where, you know, that's where, that's where the book falls on me. And you, you can't be everybody's answer. You can't be, you can't be for everybody because um, we're all unique. And that's why we get to wear our own clothes and dress the way we are and be part of the communities we want to be part of. But, um, you know, the book does fall short with us as community leaders and as gyms to understand these feelings and address them because mental health and robustness and resilience aren't just taglines, you know. And in the the fitness world, one of the things that did happen during, during the pandemic was a lot of shouting about mental health. And, you know, I mean, it's fine. If all of you guys have mental health first aid and you've got, mental health first aid and you've done an appropriate mindset course you know i've done i've done emma hackett's mindset course which was incredibly cool and i learned a lot from it and one of the biggest things you learn from that is you're not a therapist Mm. you're a mindset coach you know and that's a different entity in itself what what is your mindset policy what is your mental health policy in the gym and when you've got all those things in place you know maybe we can start to understand you know uh people a little bit more be more empathetic empathetic um you know, maybe not just label people as lazy or, you know, or, or, or just try and, you know, what you hear all the time, oh, they're lazy, they're a fat piece of crap, they're this, they're that, they're that. And it's like, you don't know their story, just stop instantly. You just focus on what's in your own fridge and we might get somewhere, you know. And it's easy, it's easy. I mean, you know, back in the day when we were, I was kids, like, you know, and in some in, in some CrossFit gyms, I've seen where people are like disrespecting other people and blah blah blah. And it's like, you, what neurodiversity? All these things going on with people. Like we talk about compassion all the time, and you know, there is a fine line between a- accepting someone's behaviour just because you know they might have problems. You can't behaviour we're still responsible for, but understand and be empathetic and sympathetic of people's journey and needs, and. Just ask better questions. Ask again. Ask better questions and try and figure out. 
our job, you know, I've been with people where they message me, they're like, how do I start programming elite people like you? Like, <laughs> maybe find regular people and maybe just help them on their journey and see how good they get. Yeah. And people will be asking ago. you, then people will be asking you how you started working with good people. How do you get people with a great work ethic through the door? How do you get people through the door and encourage them to have a great work ethic? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the thing, isn't it? How do we... How do we encourage people? How do we connect with people? Every, all the CrossFit gyms for a long time, and I'm not saying this is still the case, fighting each other for each other's CrossFitters, giving all the power to the person, you know, how much power gets driven to the person if they walk through the door, if they've got high-level ability or high following on social media or a large bank account? Yeah. Where do they sit in a box instantly when they walk through the door? Top of the tree. <clears throat> All of them, whichever one they are. Damn right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I bet an influencer's got more access to a gym space than, than most other people. You know, um, you know, a, a top tier athlete probably gets probably gets asked if they want, and I'm equally probably being responsible for that in the background. Asked if they want help and support before anyone else. You know. Um, that they come in and like everything in life, we assign a currency or an interest in and, Oh, look at this person might be able to bring the box more attention. This person might be able to bring more members. This person might be all of a sudden they become, um, an asset an attribute, and they get treated differently. And our job is to find those people. Our job is to encourage as many people who don't know what fitness is yet and get them through the door and stop blaming Boris that he didn't do it or the health service that they haven't done it. Our job is to go out and to encourage people to be fit and healthy. And my job is to make, help the community represent that and show that it's inclusive and caring and considerate. So you have three different programs, don't you, open on the OTP? Yes, at the moment, yes. So that's competitive foundations and functional. Is that right? Yeah. So if someone signs up, do you have a conversation, say, yeah, I think that's the right way, or maybe you might be better off doing this, or do you kind of give them enough rope to let them hang themselves, as it were? I have to be honest, about 80% don't ask. Okay. About 80% don't ask, uh, or they've already spoken to someone else. And the ones that ask, I guess I just ask the question, you know, are you interested in CrossFit or not? Is <laughs> a pretty good start. And then what level are you at at the moment? Yeah. Um, there's the, the regular programs, but I see, I, I'm, it's that thing, should, I, should someone go bespoke or should someone go with a regular gym program or whatever? And it all depends on what kit they've got accessible to and what, how injured they are. You know, if you if you have a super limited kit or a super specific goal or you've got an injury or, or, or something that makes it, you know, the programming not something that could be standardized, you know, a, a, something that would be limited on a, on a standard program, then, yeah, you, sh you should seek bespoke. Or if you feel like you need accountability or communication or you just want someone to connect with, I get that. So they're the reasons to not go. But other than that, I think the group training programs, you know, say what you want about them from other people um the proof is in the results crossfit.com is a group training program exactly <clears throat> the truth the proof the proof is in the results and 
so yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I allow people to ask the questions. Ultimately, the foundations is for anyone who's kind of, you know, they, they know their way around the gym, but they've decided they want to turn up to some of these competitions, maybe do okay in the open, you know, or they're a master's athlete because the volume's a little bit lower. And, you know, or, they, or their time's, they're time limited and they just don't want to devote more than 60 to 90 minutes a day training. And the one we've called Alpha, um, which makes it sound really elite, but actually it was just a biblical reference at the time, <coughs> um, was uh, was just geared up towards those people who are going to ask for more. They're going to ask for, they're going to try and do more in their day anyway. And it's to create structure to that. And, and that's kind of geared towards the top tier athletes, but you don't need to be a super top tier athlete to do it. Maybe you need to do it to become one. And, you know, that program has worked super successful. I mean, both programs are super successful. It's worked super successfully with um, those, just those top tier athletes and whether they've been, you know, actually competing in CrossFit or even going like cross sport and going across the weightlifting or other sports. It's been super beneficial to watching those guys grow and go to, Olymp go to Olympic weightlifting competitions, podium, and then go and go to a CrossFit workout, a CrossFit competition like Sid and podium again you know um and it, it's been super incredible i'm just watching the results on those guys and it, it's kind of all thought out it's all periodized it's, it's got overlapping programs it's got strength and engine engine kind of modules in it and all these things kicking off at once it's just really cool overlap of training and yeah so i just basically i don't know we kind of talk about it enough that i think people start to get what it is and functional is going to be is is, is um for me is you know it uh, we are going to create a bit of a shift. There will be a shift between training and competing. Um, because I, I I see now, and, you know, it's conversations with Hindley is that the training side is something that we, we want to reach a much bigger audience, something that we just want to encourage people to have that, not entry level, but he's something that, a lot more people can do that they don't need to be connected with all of this other language, these other words and feel, you know, don't want to need to walk into that gym and see somebody snatching 90 kilos when they never need to do it in their lives, mm. but they can become super capable and functional humans operating at an above average level physically, but equally can be part of a community, you know, and part of our, I've totally gone off rants tonight. Apparently this is why I had like six months of podcasts. Um, <coughs> uh, you know, it's why we're interested in the NFT world and we're interested in the cyber world, the Web3 worlds, because there's a bunch of guys that everyone's like, oh, they're not connected to the real world. Oh, they're not. They're just going to be in a video game all of their lives. And it's like, cool. But what if doing 50 burpees gets them something in the, in the real world, gets them something in that video game? Or did we just encourage a bunch of Web3 people who you think aren't doing any exercise to do 50 burpees today? Are they going to get a token if they go and do a sea swim or do a, a Wim Hof style ice bucket session? Oh yeah, cool. They're going to get a a, a pop, uh, uh, like a badge to say they did it for the day. Oh, cool. All of a sudden, we're transcending this competitive physical world, which isolates a bunch of people, and actually gets you guys who are more interested in the chat room. Oh, no, you guys, but guys who are more interested in the chat rooms, more interested in you know. How about if the people who have seems to have a better life in the digital world because it maybe means more and maybe they have more of a standing in there and you can understand them associating their life to that. 
what if we encourage those guys to improve their physical life as well? And so that equally when they're not connected to the internet, they feel equally as fulfilled in both, or, or at least more fulfilled somewhat. And all of a sudden, we're broadening our range. We're reaching out to a whole bunch of new people and they don't need to be associated with a competitive language or a competitive protocol or a competitive program. Although guess what? They can still be part of that same community and they can all high five each other and get excited about what they just achieved that day. So again, um, I, you didn't ask me any of these questions, but um, you know, the biggest thing I'm thinking about now is how can I encourage more people to move, to be excited and to achieve goals? So if their goal is to get to the games, then I fully intend on making that happen. But if, you know, if their goal is to be the most shredded coffee shop owner, then let's do that too. Or, you know, they want to just have a monkey NFT that's worth millions, but also want to be pretty good at push-ups. You know, why not? You know, guess yeah. what? Everyone's moving. But it's, there's, there's two parts to that. There is the part which is being able to communicate with people in a way that they understand, in a way that fits their worldview, let's say yep. people, the, the online world, the offline world. But then there's also understanding people's goals and yep. bringing the two together. Yeah. Which I think is really important because a lot of people don't seek to understand people's goals or communicate with people in a way that they understand when they're trying to sell a program. Or yeah. trying, not necessarily trying to sell a program per se, trying to sell health <laughs> you shouldn't yeah. have to sell health <laughs> and you're making you're, you're making it a, almost a, a rewarding effort aren't you yeah. so it's, you're talking about the badges and the tokens as kids we used to love collect bits well i did yeah you, know, you just like collecting we used to cut out the back of the kellogg's packets and yeah or off and get a ball with a garbage pail kid yeah. cards or uh, some people like the panini football stickers and you do stuff around the house you don't do those bits so we all like rewards even as adults we like rewards and if they're cool yeah even better but equally like so say the pop there there it's p what is it proof of attendance protocol so you'll see me post it the other day it's like a little like a little badge to say that when you come to the seminar on saturday you can get a link to get one of those so um Mark or my business partners know this yet, but I'm going to create 12 pops for the 12 benchmarks for the new gym, the Mount Olympus gym. There's 12 gods at the mountain. So there's going to be a there's going to be a, a proof of attendance, which each one is going to be for a benchmark workout. When you've done all 12 benchmark benchmark workouts, free t-shirt. Done. All you've got to do is come with your little badges that are digital, that are on your phone, that are minted, uh, you know, through blockchain technology um and you bring them to this you bring them to the counter and you say look look i've got all the badges now you could do physical badges if you wanted that's that's cool too but the the, the flip side of what we're talking about with we kind of can get the web three guys maybe or any of those guys i don't know involved in what we're doing yeah. equally we can get the fitness guys maybe a little bit more te technologically savvy and a little bit more encouraged and maybe a little thinking a little bit more outside their own box so they can connect and communicate. And if they want to build wealth and assets as, as can these guys, um, you know, and you're not just selling, you're not just selling health, you're selling 
opportunities and like what if i mean my biggest thing is like what if i can and it's not my responsibility but what if we're just breeding a community of a community of success and not that conversation of success which is limiting like what's success mean to you because in business it does mean finance in business it does mean you know other things and we use them as dirty words what about if we just encourage people to be um capable and have the ability to navigate their own lives the way they need to and want to that's it i I would throw in there and i've thought this for a long time in terms of business what's the point in being filthy rich but so unhealthy you're going to die of a heart attack in five years time yeah Yeah. what's the point absolutely my uncle did um he, he was an incredible engineer and he worked on a lot of really cool oil rigs back in the day when they were a thing. And, you know, he just did a party, um, did a party shot in his life and, and fine wine. And uh, we lost him as a result of that. And um, it was really sad. And, you know, yeah. What is the reward for someone like that for doing push-ups? Yes, a longer life, perhaps in hindsight, but if you're not part, if the, you are what you were, you are around, you're going to, what we're trying to say you're going to be drawn to the things around you what people deem as as successful or people deem as important or what people put the highest value on or equally what your you know what his goal was to be like you know an oil rig designer the wealth came after that and he wanted to be badass about it and and that you know i've worked i've worked in an architect's office i can tell you none of those guys were healthy none of them really could afford to live in a really nice piece of architecture you know, you, you're abstract from the thing that you're designing and building. And it wasn't a healthy, at the time, the one I was in, wasn't a, they weren't healthy environments regarding health and fitness. It played no value and had no impact on your work environment, social status by being healthy. And, and that's just an unfortunate thing, you know. But what is the point? What is the point of being filthy rich? But equally, you know, What's the point of having abs and living in a living in living in a car? You know, what's the point of having abs and not having a, a successful relationship, or not having you know, or, or or letting the the rest of your the rest of your existence outside of the gym fail? You know, yeah. And and these these are the things we need. To, what we need to encourage is you know, if we're only ever championing the success in the gym, then we're only ever teaching. We already all we're teaching is that's the only important factor. And with the clients that we get through the gym, it's not the most important factor. It's part of the equation. It's get them healthy, get them capable, get them fit and get them out the door. And of course, hit PBs, get stronger, you know, resist, uh, resist kind of time, resist death, um, you know, resist osteoporosis and illnesses and, you know, bone density, all the things that come along with age, uh, resist those things, of course, but it's got to be empowering when they walk out the door. Mm. And it's that slogan, isn't it? The best hour of your day. And it's like, well, actually, what if that hour of the day makes the rest of the day hours better too? Absolutely. That's the jam. It's a tip of the, it's part of the iceberg. You don't see the whole iceberg and the gym is just one part of it, but it's not, it's an hour. There's 23 other days, 23 hours left in the day for that. So I think it has to make the rest of it better, not necessarily be the the best part of it. Or, to a certain extent, make you able to do 
well, the other things in the rest yeah. of your day. I'll give you an example from this week, which was a shit show, I have to say. So, <clears throat> was this on Tuesday? Yeah, I think this was on Tuesday. Um, I went to pick my wife up from work after doing whatever Tuesday's workout was. And we got there and she was a few minutes late coming out. I turned the engine off the car so it wasn't spewing out stuff into the city. And the kids were in the back, had the windows down. They like when people walk past and they like catching little snippets of conversations, you know, one or two words of people walking past because sometimes it can actually be quite hilarious what they say out of context and they love it. Anyway, my wife got in the car. Hello. Started the car. Nope. Not starting. It's not starting. Never had any issues with it. Fully serviced everything. Basically, half an hour later, I realized the battery had just gone. Just died. They, they got off. They went and got, the, got a taxi home. I waited around, rang the RAC. Three hours will be three hours. Sod that. I was like, right, I'm getting the battery out of the car. Thankfully, I don't live far from the center of town. I got on the bus with a car battery in a Sainsbury's bag for life. They're bloody heavy. And awkward. They are heavy things. Yeah. Walking to the bus stop, walking along. Charged it three hours. Bus back into town with the battery. Put it back in the car. Drove home. Totally fine. There's no way I would have been able to carry that battery without actually having taken care of myself. There you go. See, when you were swearing, you know, why the fuck am I doing this 400-meter sandbag yeah. carry? Yeah. You know, why now? Just out of interest, if you put it down, did you do 10 burpees over the battery? <laughs> I didn't put it down, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Yeah. I had to swap hands a few times. And, that, and that's exactly it, isn't it? That's just the capability thing. But equally, yeah. if you didn't, if you didn't know how to take, if you didn't know how to take the battery out, what the battery was, you still, you would have been useless to it equally, you know. And that's that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is you know, and that's where capability comes in. And you know, it's that when people talk about capability, and I said this at the last seminar I did at Talisman, um, which is a great gym, and um, and I said that it's like I use James Bond as an example. Yeah, he's a guy, whatever. He's white and bit of a dick but you know you talk about him and it's like you talk about his skill set and fitness is a very small component of his, of his role in that movie it is uses of technology it's uses of finances his dress sense his ability to handle like he can drive every single vehicle there is i know he's a fictional character but his capability is is his training and his physicality is one component his ability to speak other languages etc is you know all of these things create what is this kind of this super spy in this movie? And, it, and it, it isn't just his physicality. It's one component of it. And Ross McNair said something really cool a long time ago, which was um, if your functional training creates a dysfunctional lifestyle, is it functional anymore? Mm. And, you know, this is, that is something that's like sat with me for a long time. And equally as a coach, it's going to be you asking yourself the same question. How are we empowering people? And that's what kind of that's where the the train of thought went over the last year or the last, leading up to the, the start of OTB. And, um, 
and now doing it, you know, it's it's just we're just having anyway. We just have a lot of fun. It it goes back to the mindset though, doesn't it? The, the, that positive mindset, and I'm, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, but the fact I know how to take my car battery out, yeah, isn't a superpower. It's an absolute. It's a, it's a piece of piss. You yeah. undo a few screws. You need to know in which order so it doesn't explode. You know, take the the right one off first, etc. Um, but it's not a superpower. It's just the mindset to be able to, or at least want to know how to do that. I it's mean, not the first you, time I've done it, yeah, so say, I've remembered. Yeah, even if you didn't know how to do it. You've got a phone in your hand, you could Google it. But it's having yeah. the it's having the idea, actually I could just go and charge the battery up but and it, do this. That's that's perhaps the key thing, isn't it? It's having the, the thought and the to begin with. The next seminar we're gonna do, I think I'm gonna do one. I've been talking to Chelsea and Fell. The next seminar we're gonna do is gonna be a two-day one in Fell, and it's gonna be like with, with the conversation we've been having is day I'll one. Charge your car battery. <laughs> well, day one is day one is about like it will be like snatching, it will be like Olympic lifting. But the main focus of the things we're thinking about for day one is um, skill acquisition, upskilling. That's the that's the theme. It's not going to be about can you do this workout, can you do that, and yeah, it's it's going to be a training camp. So we'll have elements of snatching, um, clean and jerks, and gymnastics because they're skill elements. But equally, you know, things that could come to play. We've talked about like everything i mean you know we might go one of the spectrum which is like learning to start a fire and the other one might be just how to make a mean flat white but yeah. you know but those this is the conversation we're having it's like how do we start how do we do a seminar or a, a workshop which is which is beneficial and that was it it was upskilling was day one and then second and then day two would be right okay like you know putting people under the cosh like, do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, go, go, go run 10 miles. He's, he's a map. Go figure it out for yourself. Come back, you know, make me a Frappuccino. Maybe that's what people should have been doing before the lockdown. So they weren't going, oh, I can't do any exercise because they would have had the ability to upskill themselves. Uh, upskilling. I mean, you guys have, right? You're doing a podcast. I'm talking to you on Zoom. I have in multiple ways. But um, yeah, exactly. That's exactly the thing. And that's and that's exactly much more interesting conversation. And when me and Chelsea first had these chats, um, I had the worst COVID brain fog ever. And I just was like, I was like, I, I'm, I think 15 minutes of useful stuff came out of my mouth and then I switched off again and went to sleep. But I was like, let's do this upskilling capability day and then, and then day two capacity testing. And that's, you know, that, that, that to me is kind of more in line and more in tune with what I think uh, some of the experiences people, I think, should be encountering in and around this gym space, this training space, um, to make us just cooler. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the life space, though, isn't it? Yeah, the it's, life space. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, okay. uh, that's, yeah, there you go. That's the name of my next program, Life Space. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's it, it's it's not just about one particular element as as we've said no. it, people need to have responsibility and be aware of everything they're doing because yeah. it all impacts on everything else 100 percent. yeah did i'm gonna, I'm gonna do a 360 i change direction completely now 
you had a really gnarly fracture dislocation of your ankle. Yeah. That, that was, was a three. That was a one eighty. Was a three sixty. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> that was a that was a mess. But you've had to come back from that. So yeah. you've shown a lot of resilience to come back and run some of your fastest mile times. Yeah. Ever. With ever. Yeah. A long shot. Massive time. Has it? Has it given you a different viewpoint and perspective when writing programs? Or, or thinking of it, or has it changed your idea of training and what can be done? Uh, no, I think it reinforced my attitude towards re- recovery and injury. Because you, as you know firsthand, I've always been, I'm very bullish when it, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm very kind of full on when it comes to injury recovery. I'm very exercise centric. I'm always like still train, still train, still train. Yep. And I think having to go through with that myself has been, do you know what? I think it was just a great opportunity to reflect on it as a story and show, show that what can be done. And I don't know if it's changed the way I program as such, but it's definitely tra- changed the way, it, it changed the way I think about my own, about myself personally. Mm-hmm. In fact, that was maybe the moment I actually started enjoying training again. Mm. If I can just jump in there. So going back sort of, pre-pandemic kind of into the sort of late teens you were always if you've got a sort if you've got a bad leg or bad ankle or whatever you can train up a body if yeah. you've got a bad wrist if you if your shoulders knacked you can train lower yeah that's always been something that you've had did you use that when you couldn't use your foot and you couldn't use your leg yes Definitely. I mean, I got I got really, really good at muscle-ups and really good at pull-ups. And that wasn't on purpose. That wasn't set out to do must be good at muscle-ups. I just kept doing pull-ups until the pull-up became really easy. And then I could pull higher. And that just reflected over into that. And yeah, it changed. It, it, it Actually, did it change it? Yes. I think I learned, I always championed running, but I think I champion it more now, a lot more. I think calisthenics I think I value a lot more um and I think yeah the the gym work uh the likes of the push and pull guys in London uh Theo the stuff that they're doing just a lot of muscle ups a lot of upper body work I think it's really appealing to a lot of people and I think the amount of strict gymnastics that went in my programming definitely increased and as a result well the biggest outcome from this is I think a lot of people saw me doing muscle-ups when they didn't think I could do them, which meant yeah. they realized that they could maybe do them too. <laughs> and actually, the amount of people like on my, I think it took, I think for some reason, me, maybe the unexpectancy of it, or maybe me posting them more, I like lowered the entry level to what it took to do a muscle-up. And actually, now you've, you've all probably seen the amount of people in our programming, mm. you know, if a 51-year-old woman comes up to me and says, I'll never be able to do muscle-ups, I'm like, ah, I think we can maybe get there. You know, you kind of seem capable. You can do a few strict pull-ups. You can do a few strict dips. And, you know, we've been getting people getting these muscle-ups left, left, right, and center. And I really love that that took muscle-ups off a pedestal. You know, because you'll have been, you've been in a CrossFit environment, right? The muscle-ups were those, for those guys in the corner with the abs and the, the, the big shoulders and that, like those guys were doing the muscle-ups and, Oh no, you don't go on the rings, dude. We, you know, you got ring rows today. 
you've got you know jumping pull-ups you've got some strict pull-ups you've got banded pull-ups and you know it felt like that's exactly what i was talking about earlier that's that's yeah same yeah that's exactly the same thing they're for the guys in the corner and actually like so then all of a sudden this thing's on a pedestal and you're not on that pedestal and when i got to maybe explore the muscle up a little bit more and strip it back and realize well i'm just a regular guy and you know, I've had a bad leg, so I've pulled a bit more than most. And these are the exercises I've been doing. And we transferred that language over to our clients and and communicated that a little, in, a, in a better and more, probably a more understandable way. You know, that was the difference between old language, Paul, and new language, Paul, is just explain this in a better and simpler way and keep showing people what good looks like. Hey, this is someone who, you know, he's someone who looks like they shouldn't be able to do a muscle up, getting a muscle up. And he's someone else doing some muscle up drills. And he's, he's Michael, who's, in his fifties and he's doing muscle up drills. Like he's these amazing people who are time after time doing the work. And it, all of a sudden it's people like getting messages left, right and center of, of people very unexpectedly getting their first muscle ups. And all of a sudden this big pedestal, this big movement that was out of reach for everybody was just that actually guys, it's just a, it's just a pull and a press. And, and it's where we, again, it's back to where we failed as a, as a community is you know we've learned how to sell these movements so if we put them on a higher bracket they're more difficult which means we can charge you more to get you there yeah you know the, the chicken wing the amount of conversation i've had about the chicken wing on a muscle up bound muscle up until about three four years ago that that term for me did never existed in my life mm. do you know how i got rid of the chicken wing i did about 100 really good muscle up, uh, muscle ups until they became easier and then i changed it that was it the better, the more I did, the better I got. And for me personally, I've seen a lot less people get injured. Oh, if none who I've ever worked with got injured from a chicken wing on a pull-up versus trying to trying to trying to jerk ninety kilos. But if we tell you to focus on this one thing that that isn't perfect, because no, because because obviously there's perfect because someone invented that. Um, that it's both is perfect. All of a sudden. The, the client is subconsciously focusing on the thing that we're telling, telling them not to focus on. If I say chicken wing, you think of it. I say chicken wing. I say don't chicken wing. You're still thinking about it. And naturally your body mirrors that and does the chicken wing more. You get so angry about it. You go online and you buy a 50 quid program to get rid of the chicken wing. It didn't matter. It didn't exist in the first place. Mm. No. But, it, but it paid for that new Land Rover discovery. So it's fine. Yeah. not yours the oh. one who the guy who just didn't get you the chicken wing and you know and that's that's not a dig at other brands who post it because it's become a highlighted problem for people so brands are naturally putting it out there how not to get rid of the chicken wing i understand why some of my favorite pr- programmers some of the best programmers in the in the community i'm not dissing them because i've done that in the past i get why i get why you're helping people not get chicken wings but the reality is is the best way for me for people not to do chicken wings is to just get better and more confident in the, in the movement and start to make adjustments towards excellence. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And actually, yeah, I totally agree. And it is breaking down those barriers. And earlier this week, you put something else out that might break down some barriers or change some conversations about not having, you gave a, um, a sliding scale for weights as opposed to, this is the men's, this is the women's. Yeah. I like that. I think that's really bold. 
Mm. Um, it's giving some agency to the individual to pick their poison. Yeah. But I can see how some people whose identity is in, well, I'm an RX athlete, I can do yeah. this, would be, or they'd have their, their ego dented or confronted Absolutely. with that. Yeah, heaven forbid a female athlete went at the same way as you. Do you know? Do you, do you know? Do you know what? Uh, I spoke to Stephen from Bill Up North last night, and you know he's one of those guys. Uh, some, he said, he, "I just, I just value his, his his words all of the time." But he's, he's never really. He's not overly deep, right? He's very practical with me, and that's why he works so well with me. He lets me talk a lot of nonsense, and he manufactures something out of that, <clears throat> which is amazing. And he said to me yesterday, he went. I wish that I, all I did was I took the slight slice between the 40 and the 60 and I put a dash, which somehow yeah. seemed to offend a whole bunch of people. Right. And, and, and I used the word binary, which I understood some people with that was inflammatory for, but that's okay as well. Cause it didn't really affect them, but they just were butthurt. And, uh, you know, and Stephen said to me, he went, you know what, when I was in a CrossFit gym, he goes, I weighed 65 kilos. And he said, I was trying to lift that 60 kilo bar in those workouts. And he goes, it was crushing me. It was causing me a lot of pain and a lot of injury. And he said, I had no right doing it. But guess what? That was the men's way. Yeah. And I'm a man. <laughs> like, you know, and he, 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 he didn't say them words verbatim, but that's what he was saying. You know, he felt the pressure that in order for him to live up to the same level of adequacy and expectation, and don't get me wrong, there is expectations because we write these workouts based around Typical competitive scenarios because a lot of our athletes are in that competitive setting and that's fine. We understand that there's a formula and a set of weights. What I didn't want to do is tell people that my expectation of them was purely dependent on whether they hit that number or that number based on their gender. And it just freed it up for people. And, you know, when Stephen said it to me last night, he said, you know what, I just wish I'd just been told that because I felt like I needed to go to heavier weight and it broke me and it made me injured. It gave me a bad back in the sport. Mm. And that's what, and, and Stephen, Stephen runs now. Stephen doesn't do CrossFit. Stephen is completely isolated from that community. He runs because, because the compute, because the, it didn't help him. Yeah. What's going on out there? There's been a murder. <laughs> I know, yeah. Someone wasn't functional enough. They've just seen the 40-60 and had a fit. Yeah, exactly. Where's the, where's their capability now? Yeah, I mean, the stupid thing is, if, if you're a competitive athlete, you know what you're going for anyway. Exactly. And actually, exactly. If, if you're new, then the impetus is on the person giving you the guidance to begin with. So, look, actually, mate, you're 65 kilograms. That's virtually body weight. You need to dial that back until you're capable to hold on to it. Yeah. And, and you're going to get a better, you know, is, is he if you're looking for intensity from the workout and you're doing one rep every minute, well, that's not intensity of, yeah. of what you're looking for. Uh, yeah. And you know, we, we don't want to use too much language and, but as an online programming company, which we, I mean, uh, Barnaby wrote something along the lines of, well, it's down to the coach to explain that. And it's like, that, that's great. But guess what? Like we're in this new epoch of training where people are online and we're connected in this way. So our language and our discussion with people, yes, I can go online and could do a chat with everyone every single day of the week. But, you know, people are, are competent. My, I, I'd like to think a lot of my clients don't need me to demonstrate a wall ball for them every day. And if I'm stood at a whiteboard after a year, still showing someone how to do a wall ball, I really, really failed on lessons one, two, and three. 
I shouldn't have to tell them. I can show them the flow of a workout. I can explain to them the standards or whatever, but really my clients probably know how to do a wall ball. I don't think I need to tell them. Um, but the language that we use and the way we direct it, I think is becoming, and that's the, for me is the art of programming, is where we start to think about how is the slight nuances in our language we use in a really simple one workout. If, if I put the word sprint into italics, does it change the way you see it? If I write build to a heavy max for the day versus build to a one rep max, do you perceive your, your expectation change and does your language change? So how we open up the language and dialogue about weight, yes, I would like to think that people have the agency to go heavier or lighter if they need to. But I also don't want to limit them by that either. No. And and that and that's, you know, and a lot of people felt a little bit challenged by the shift from a slice to a dash. Um and mostly those people were people who it has zero effect on in their own personal training and would probably go to 60 anyway. Yeah, so that, um, that's what I was thinking there in terms of the people that, that affects. Let's remove people who need to work at the prescribed weight because they're yeah. training for a competition and they have to work at that weight. Yeah. <clears throat> Other than that, does it actually matter what the weight is? And I'll give you an example. So, as you know, I work out with a sandbag, not a barbell. Yeah. It's approximately 60 kilos. Yeah. Approximately. Because I filled it with sand and it says it's 60. Yeah. It's going to be there or thereabouts. But for me, it doesn't really matter because I'm getting the workout that I need to get from whatever's yeah. in that bag, whether it's yeah. 62, 58, 57, whatever it happens yeah. to be. So for the vast majority of people, it doesn't actually matter. It just has to be challenging enough for them to yeah. do what they need to do. Yeah, and you, I mean, usually, you know, if the workout says 100 reps or the workout says five reps, you could probably guess that one of them should be a bit heavier than the other one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not always, you know, Calsu and workouts like that. But we also, we have that guide there. We have that guide for people. There is a, there is a range and, you know, the top tier athletes will. And you know what? And nearly everyone who commented on that post was one of our female athletes who said, can we go heavier? Yeah, there's a lot like, of positivity, wasn't there, about that? I was like, whoa, you know, okay. You know, there was a couple of guys who got, who got, um, who kind of didn't feel that was, you know, that was appropriate for them and their, their methodology and their way of thinking. And that, and that's great for them too. They should go the heavier way or go on a different program. <laughs> you know then that's and that's and that equally is cool because what they should do is keep on training and learning yeah. regardless of whether it's with us i, I certainly learn over time of, uh, and training and doing i suppose crossfit almost 10 years maybe I, the ego it can be helpful but it can be detrimental yeah and actually it's you pick your days. Some days you're not feeling it and actually, do you know what? You're better off just dropping the weight a little bit or mm. reducing the intensity or just, just stopping and having a rest. And that's okay as well. Mm. Uh, um, and, yeah. Yeah. I think we get too, too, too hung up on these things. Yeah. And, you know, and we are moving forward with the times and the, the language you use is shifting and old values we're right for a time, but might not be right for the next epoch of 
our existence. And we might need to move with that and evolve with that. And some of the people who were moved by what we did uh, were people who feel like they may not, you know, in, in their life or in the gym, be prescribed to either the 40 or the 60 kilo category. And, you know, and that, and that frees up a whole other thing. And I think Hindley put a really good comment where he said, if it doesn't affect you, but it, if it doesn't affect anyone, but it makes one person better or one person's life a little bit better or tolerable for a day or makes people, someone get it or someone feel it, then, then it was, then the rate of return was worth it. Yeah. And that's it. There's nothing, if it doesn't affect you, but, but it does make some people's lives a little bit better. It was a hundred percent worth it. Even if it's people calling me a moron. <laughs> Sometimes I can take it. <laughs> I think that just shows ignorance in where you're coming from or they're not open-minded enough to go, okay, well, I can see how this can be beneficial. That's yeah. my opinion. And equally, that no point did I say anyone else should do what we're doing. Um, yeah. But you said, this is what I'm doing. Like, do it or don't do it. <laughs> no, I didn't say don't do it or don't do it. I just said, this is what we're, do- this is what we're doing. And, you know, me and Hinley, um, you know, shifted from one slash to a dash and that was it and yeah, that you, was all it <laughs> yeah, was you, it. yeah you, ch- you changed it from a 45 degree <laughs> to a 180 yeah. that's it and you know that's, that's it, yeah. sometimes that's all it takes for people to get angry at you or some people to feel that that dash opened up a lot of possibility for a lot of athletes um, who we're working with to be challenged and you know that came through a lot when you know when there was that time when you know you guys know through working with me where we went where I started posting a lot of workouts at uh, body weight on the bar yeah and there wasn't always a gender divide on those workouts and you know uh, when I write Grace at body weight and you've got uh, Laura the Explorer and Charlotte Davies going head to head with their own body weights on the bar you know and you've got guys going at the same where guys are weighing the same as them and you know and them two girls are still crushing it and getting like up their scores and you start to question you know you start to look at it you start to think, wow then you get some people that were like messaging you and saying can i, can I have a diet plan <laughs> you know and yeah. and i'm getting to do it and i'm getting to do it at like 67 kilos and i'm like well i'm getting off lightly here um when you know one, sure. of, your, one of your athletes is where's it where it's like you know look at axel where's like he was at the Olympics, where it's probably like 110, 115 kilos. He's a big yeah. dude. He's a tall guy. Like, you know, so, you know, I got, I got the, I got the other end of the stick and that kept them kind of workouts. And that kind of opened up a lot of thought process for me about, okay, because this was challenging. This people weren't being challenged by the workout because the bar were the same as them. They would be cha- being challenged by their own their composition own in the workout, their own weight or their own composition or their own ability based on that. It, it was completely, you know, it was, it was, I was going to say it's non-judgmental. Maybe it's entirely judgmental. Either way, it made a lot of people question something. Or the same with the, you know, three times body weight calories on, the, on a bike or a rower or something. You know, people are like, uh, I tried not to have breakfast this morning. <laughs> like, you know, exactly. like, that ain't helping. That ain't helping now. You've, you've come too far for that. And it got a lot of people questioning their own physicality and their own practicality because all of a sudden you know um you the, the whole thing mass moves mass isn't true when the mass can't move your own mass yes that's not a thing and you know that that to me was a real 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 eye opener 
using that more pragmatically and practically in the in the programming in the program design um especially a couple of months out of um, out of competitive season i think people a lot of people a lot of people started to question their physicality and how they could improve it towards the competitive season or just even the non-competitive athletes and yeah it opened up a lot of personal dialogue um or reflective dialogue with themselves that came back to a conversation with me and you know we we, we saw great results off the back of that it and everyone hated me again which is fun you know yeah it definitely did that i think i'm gonna say it was three or four weeks you did that type of body weight yeah thing carry your own bullshit yeah carry your own yeah. bullshit yeah so the first one i was like i wish i weighed less that 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 was the the first thought second one i was like okay i am what i am let's let's go with it. <laughs> if if i keep doing this i'll weigh less but then as it went it's like well this is what i weigh like this is this is where i am i might go up i might go down and i know myself i'm about within a few kilos of where i've always been kind of when i've been yeah. at my best and you're like well this is just how it is I need, to, I need to charge you therapy rates. <laughs> uh, the world doesn't give a shit about your weight and what yeah. you can or can't. It is what it is. At the end of the day, you know, just get on with it. That's and it. If you want to change it, then you've got to change it. Yeah. So did breaking my ankle was the question. Did breaking ankle change the way I programmed it? Which I answered no and then went on for a really long period of time. Oh, it probably did. It definitely just added to, added to the list of that's it isn't it right our experiences mm. add to what we do and what we can do and as i've learned to ask as, as i've learned to look at things slightly differently for, from the old the old era to the new era um i just kind of seeing these don't get me wrong i get broken by life like everyone it's not all it's not all flowers but there is definitely there is definitely a lot of reflection that goes into how how can I make this better? Yeah, and you've got a big body of work in terms of programming, learning from other people. There's a lot of influences that oh, it's like hundreds of rivers coming together into one big river. It's just a massive confluence of different things that then come out. Has having Hindley alongside you? Has he challenged you? All the time. Absolutely all the time. But he, Hindley is the most... I've already seen him get emotional a few times about a few things, and they're quite specific things that I know, like, trigger him or whatever in life. But everything else, he's super, super pragmatic, super practical. He knows, he knows I'm creative and a bit nuts, maybe not super industri industrious where he is really industrious, sees opportunity in it. And, you know, he challenges me all the time. He challenges me about costs. He challenges me about rates of return. He challenges me um, about life. And when a 21 year old starts telling you, you're doing things wrong, it's like, <laughs> oh, damn, like, <laughs> you know, ah, oh, what's he doing? And, you know, a lot of the time he's right. And, you know, and also I think he, him coming and moving to Newcastle, I mean, um, you know, I saw like, do you know, there's this really moving moment where a, a lady I know, really lovely lady, and she came into the, um, she came into the garage, we're next door to the garage, and she came in and 
she was um she was like really really upset and emotional because uh her car needed serviced and testing and she couldn't really afford it um and i think someone had supported her through it and she was really emotional and hinley just sat hinley afterwards like when sat in the office or something and he was just chilling and he was just like uh i heard that people sometimes struggle for stuff but i've never seen it before and it was like oh because where he's been and where he's trained where he's been and where the family he's been around and the places where he trained previously there was a lot of affluence and i think he was maybe protected from from a lot of you know the world and he sees that so you know i think somewhere down the line hinley's seen a lot about creativity and compassion and and kind of my worldview plus my you know my knowledge on programming where he's brought a lot of youth practicality i mean the reason I even looking at NFTs was because he was like, I'm interested in this thing. And I was like, okay, cool. If you're interested in it, I'm not. And he was like, well, could, what would you do? And I was like, oh, I mean, he's asked me a question again. He knows where I'm going with this big sheet of paper later. I'm like, we're doing NFTs. Um, so yeah, Hinley has brought a lot to the mix. Um, and at the moment, I'm very grateful that, um, that we both took a risk. He took a risk on upping his life and moving to Newcastle and, you know, with high expectations of him saying no to a career because he wanted to give this sport thing a go. And, you know, yeah, I'm super grateful that he did that. And um, it was worth it so far. It's been worth the investment. And it was a risk because I had nothing. He came to on the program. We didn't have a client. We didn't have a business. We didn't even have a name, really. And um, I just said, dude, like, I can give you three months. Can you hack? Can you hack that? And he came up. It's that leap and of faith, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's gone. It's worked both ways. And since then, you know, we've been to, we've been we're off to London this weekend to wait. We've been to mm. Talisman. We've been where where have we been? I took him to. We went to Greece and we went to see the affiliate we're opening up there. And he helped make some decisions on it. You know, from an athlete perspective and a client perspective. And. You know, he's, yeah, he's, I mean, everything's for, a, everything's for a time, like, you know, and I hope, I hope it proceeds the way it is, but he's, yeah, he's been a huge investment and you know what, like all you guys will know, he's just a really good member of the community. Mm. Yeah, you know, he, he, he is the athlete, he is, he is a programmer, he is a coach and <clears throat> he's put the work in and, you know, Hindley, like people that message me, oh, can you, can I, can I work with you? Can you do something? How much is it going to cost? Like, like, yeah, yeah, it costs like, you know, quite a bit a month. They'd be like, oh, no, well, I can't do that. My dad, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. Like, Hinley, wrote, Hinley did things for me. Like, he, he, I asked him to write an essay once a month. He wrote an essay for me. I asked, we had debates, deep debates about programming, philosophy, um, psychology, um, theology, everything we could have debates on to do around programming and making things better for people, understanding how environments change things, uh, phenomenology, all of these kind of cre crazy things around fitness. And he did that with no guarantee of work, no guarantee of anything to do with the fitness industry. He did that every month for a year. So when Hindley comes and he's only been progr programming for a little while, he was already around really good people at Chester, really good athletes and really good coaches. And... <clears throat> And when you take all that information, he might only be 21. He also won the French Throwdown in 2018. He's also been to enough SIDS. He's also podiumed at SID um, the other month. Um, 
and he's and you know he's taken all that stuff on and he's become a good programmer and you know um he's become he's becoming a really good programmer and even better he sees the bigger picture and he realizes that programming isn't being a coach and writing a few words at the end of the day because that's not programming that's just writing workouts programming is think is having a vision that's a long way down the other end of the tunnel a very long way where other people couldn't even see it and backtracking every step of the way and understanding all of the physical actions that need to be done in that things plus the narrative shift that we have to get from there to there who is this person now who is that person stood on top of the podium because they're not the same person or whatever that podium is how do we shift the physical and the narrative to get to that end point with enough vision and the programming is understanding every nuance, every attribute, uh, presence, space, and the actions that go along with it to get from there to there. And that's programming. And, you know, Hindley is grasping the magnitude of this thing that I love and this thing is, and think is art. I think when you hear about <clears throat> people like that, that I'm going to say at such a young age, that makes me seem really old. But, it's true though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, it gives you a bit of faith for the future of this and what we're trying to do in the future of, not just the future of training, but the future of humans. Oh. And I've got, you know, my, my two boys, the 10 and 8, and they're brilliant. And I hope that they're everything I hope they're going to be. And, yeah. you know, similar to what you just described about him, about that. It's not just about the programming, the training. It's about the thought, the awareness, the compassion, the empathy, all of the things that you want as a good human that a lot of the time people think doesn't exist with the youth. You know, as an older yeah. person looking looking down, you think, oh, well, the young are terrible, you know, that you know, in my day when it was much better in my day. But it wasn't, was it? <laughs> well, it led us it led us here, so either it was or it wasn't, but we're equally we're responsible. Yeah. You know, we're responsible for the good bits and we're responsible for the bad bits collectively. And yes, higher powers made decisions or whatever else it was, but if you're interested in higher power making decisions. Get a career in it. Don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, not everyone can be in the gym. <laughs> Someone's got to lead the country and that takes a bit more time than it does to, you know, get your muscle-ups. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're, we're all accountable. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about the youth. I'm worried about the impact, I guess, the impact that I make and through the, through the community we've got. And that's, that's all I can be. It's all I can really be responsible for and trying to take more considerations because we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know how bad the world was going or heading when we were young. You know, when we had, you know, pull off cans of Coke lids and we threw them at people and made a mess yeah. everywhere and stomped the cans and did all of those things and plastic bags everywhere. And I live next to a petrochemical plant, you know, churning out million, millions of toxins a day and... <clears throat> I lived next to British Steel as well. So that was churning. There was just fire every day and every night, like out the furnaces. You know, it's never, it's never dark in red car. Um, 
you know, I, I grew up around that, right? Like I grew up around, exa- I, I grew up around what looks like Springfield minus the nuclear power bit. Yeah, for sure. And you know that. Guess what? We used to go. We used to go swim in the water, like the pools there and yeah. stuff. You know, I'm surprised. Like I'm surprised I'm not dead or something yet. Um, but um, we didn't know. And yeah, the youth doesn't. I mean, the youth are doing cool stuff as well. Yeah, like, they are. They're just yeah. You know, and 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 I wouldn't have been open to these conversations if you know, like Henley's dying to get us on TikTok. But why not? You know. Yeah, I had a conversation with one of my clients. They're like, well, they've, they've, they're, well, that's for the young people. And what, also, we don't want to get the young people fit now, you know? And it's like oh, opening up your expectations on that. It's like, no, you, what you mean is, is you don't want to dance in front of a camera, but at no point did it say you had to dance in front of a camera. No, with the chat we had on last week, Richard Love out in Miami, he's got 88,000 followers on Instagram. But on his TikTok, he has something like 4 million people. It's just a much bigger platform with a much open, ac- much greater access for people yeah. to look at things. So if you're trying to share, the me- uh, share a message, then actually that's another way of going about it. Abs- absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of, we look at all these things and we think, oh, that's a negative and that's a negative. You know, if your channel is on one platform, you risk it, it's vulnerable. It's absolutely vulnerable. Instagram is your only platform for communication, it's vulnerable. And, you know, Instagram, we all know, is full of ads and full of nonsense and, you know, full of influence. And inf- the influence isn't always useful. I'm not saying it all is bad either, but a lot of it is, is not useful and you're in between that chaos. So, you know, if there is other platforms, other ways of sharing a message, and it's not about becoming more popular or whatever, it's about... What's the message you're trying to share? And is it worth sharing? And if it is, you know, put it on every platform. If, if, the, if you think what you're saying is important, if you think one snippet of one of your conversations has some sort of meaning, then get it dictated or whatever, however it does the writing thing underneath it. I'm some, sure someone like Henley will know. And, um, and you know, Gary Vee's doing it. Um, Stephen, Stephen's doing it. Um, you know, yeah, they're all doing those it. podcasts are doing it. They're getting those key crucial comments out, which, which you know, can have an impact, can change someone's trajectory for that day. And if you've got the snippets worth it, or you think you've got something that leads it back to you to a conversation that you think someone needs to hear, then, you know, don't sell it short by putting it on one precarious platform. Put, take those bits of information and put it on multiple ones. If I, can, if I can circle back away from online and talk about reaching people and reaching yeah. people in the way that they choose to access information. Yeah. So something that's quite close to like my heart and stuff that I've done professionally is working with refugees and asylum seekers, yeah. and help, helping them get access to education. Yep. And I think one thing that I've, no, that I, that I've noticed that, that you've done is your Seekers program. Yeah. And maybe it's geographically, geographically prudence is the wrong word, but relevant to, to, to where you are as a, as, a, as a gym and a facility. But 
being open to inviting refugees and asylum seekers in to work out. And what we're doing there is looking at people who are not part of that Instagram, Twitter, Discord, TikTok world and reaching out to them and showing them that there is a way that they can do something. Yeah. There is a community there that accepts them. And I personally, I, I, I'm touched by that, that reach that, that you've had and that move towards that group. I mean, I wish that group could be, could be bigger. And I think there is, you know, stigmas within that specific group as well, but it, it really did just pose some interesting questions. I, I'm, don't get me wrong, because I speak to other people who talk about only doing charity work, I and mean, I don't think only charity work works. I think it's about having a tithe. It's about, you know, a tithe is, 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 a, is a payback to a church, but that tithe doesn't need to look financial and it doesn't need to be a church. It could just be a commitment to something else, 10% of your time. You know, t- giving 10% of something back to something seems a bit, you know, it's not, it's it's taking yourself away from that poverty mindset. And the more you have, the bigger 10% is. And I think it was trying to imply that to someone who, a story that I knew, which was Fuad, and just understanding and listening to his story and realising that, you know, community and help for him was a super vital thing. And the gym facility offered him that. He'd, you know... He'd come from Kuwait. He had a hard time, um, you know, uh, to tell his story. His son, ha- his son had, uh, his son was born. His youngest son was born with a, with an illness that just couldn't be couldn't be cured or treated where he was. And so he, he came to the UK to seek help. And you know, it means he left his newborn son and his youngest son, um, and and his wife there. And he spent two years um, in the UK alone before he got to see his family again. And, you know, I was blessed enough to get to know him uh, during the first lockdown when he was seeking help from the community um, to help his son. His son was over at that point. Um, to, to his son was uh, was getting help from hospital. And, yeah, I got to know his story. And two years on his own led to depression food insecurity led to him having to eat everything that he, he was living in a hostel eat everything he could because he didn't do he didn't do drink or do drugs and you know other people may have spent their very very tiny allowance on that which meant you know he felt his food was at risk so he consumed his food at an unhealthy rate you eat what you get given so you're not you know like you're not a fat piece of shit you're a person who's struggling with not knowing when your next meal's going to come or what your next meal is you know, it's not 15 grams of protein and seven grams of fat and, you know, and, you know, watching that. And weight mixed with poor food and hormones and insecurity and lack of your family can, you know, end in a pretty dark place where um, yeah, it can just, can just lead to a, a depression, which, you know, is quite hard and may never lift, you know. And um, yeah, so Fuad, Fuad was just Fuad was just in a position, just in a situation. And I was lucky enough, and Hinley eventually ended up helping him as well. Hinley saw was part of that story too in the towards the end. And he went from a state of not being it. He had knee pain, back pain. 
uh, tinnitus, um, type 2 diabetes after the end of this two years of him in the UK. And, you know, we we, we got to work with him. And he went, he, he can now squat below parallel. He can squat weight. He has no back pain. He has no nice. knee pain. He got his driving license. He got a job. Um, his kids are in school. Uh, we started a evening. Uh, we only went for a short period of time, but we started a woman's only class because, you know, back to the gender debate, how, you know, why would I, Paul of 10 years ago, why a women's class? Why can't men go to that? Well, why? Because guys are safe and secure in our venue all of the time. There's always a bunch of guys in there. There isn't a point when we walk out of the room and allow women to occupy the space, especially women where to train, um, they need to be in all woman environment. So we, we created a, a, a woman's only class for his, for, for his wife. And we had uh, Amanda and Grace lead those classes and, you know, that small community. And that was really cool, you know, and learning about these things that never would have ever cropped up into my thought processes around training. And, you know, um, some of the, some of my, um, some of the OTP members who were, who were, um, have faith, actually uh, speaking of tithes decided to send me their tithes that they would normally send to a church to give to Fuad as a gift as well for his family which you know was incredibly generous of them to to give that tithe you know they contacted me privately they didn't want to be named but they just said you know can do you mind if I give my tithe to the family and I was like no I'm sure they'd really appreciate that and even though you know they're from a different faith they they fully understand it appreciate and were really really excited like really really pleased by that gift that they received you know and you know I don't know. It's not about us. I'm making it maybe about me or whatever, but it, it, it was just cool, man. It was really, really cool to see that kind of, that evolution and that growth. And then to see the OTP, I um, keep calling them the OTP family, but whatever, you know, I'm still, it's still new to me, that, that business, but see them message me privately and ask, how can I help? Can I give something? Can I do something? I just want to help. And I'm like, yes. And also you can try and do something in your area. And for some people's areas, they might not have that issue. They might not have those individuals who need support, but somewhere down the line, there's someone who can't afford your 90 pound, 110 pound CrossFit membership. There's somewhere down there. And I'm not saying you give every class away for free. That's not possible. 10% of nothing is, is nothing. Mm. It's You've got to give from a full cup and it's got to be relevant. And it's got to be in a way that doesn't devalue your paying members either, because some people will be challenged by this. Some people will be like, Oh, come in and stealing our jobs, getting free memberships. And, and guess what? Some people feel insecure about their lives and will, will always feel that. And, you know, and, and I understand that I'm compassionate to those people too, but there is also some people who really could just do with like access to some training and some community and maybe someone just to listen and, you know, it turns out, turns out uh, Fuad, who no one knew, like, you know, didn't know much about him and stuff. And as his English improved and our time with him spent, like, I've still got to do them. But he, he, he like, turns out he was, like, a graphic designer in Kuwait and stuff. And he, like, did me loads of, uh, he did me loads of cool um, Built Up North t-shirts all in uh, Arabic and stuff, man. And uh, some campfire t-shirts in Arabic. So, like, absolutely stoked. And, and um, you know, I just just seeing him kind of just say, oh, do you mind if I just send you these things? Like, no, oh, send me these like Arabic campfire t-shirts. I'm like, this is amazing. And just what, what would just, for me, you know, a small, um, it was a small, he got a very little amount of my time in realness. 
you know, a real of I had to give very little. I just had to open up open up an opportunity and a space to give someone a bit of time. Yeah. Mm. But that I think the, the reason why I mentioned that is because people who are outside, and I'm talking like really outside of the fitness world. Yeah. Really outside of the gym world and really outside of the health world. Maybe they just need just that open door. Yeah. To be able to walk through. That's exactly it. And the, our job is to reduce the boundaries. Yeah. So when I hear people talking, when I hear about health experts using words like metabolism and stuff and having high price brackets and you're already disassociating yourself from a bunch of people that just don't get that yet. And when we have fit, when we create a high price point and we create these other things and we tell people that for your mental health, you have to train in a gym that's a hundred pound a month. We're already excluding a whole bunch of people. And, you know, and, and as long as that kind of, and don't get me wrong, I have a product. I sell, I sell a program. I get it. I also have got a whole bunch of free programs out there. And, and, but that equally maybe isn't enough, but yeah, we have to, we have to find points where we can make the entry, you know, people like a little bit of a challenge. You can't make things too easy for people, but the entry point feels open and approachable for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think that's, that's it, you know, and, yeah, the old Paul maybe would have loved to. I want the most elite people on my team. I want the most elite athletes. I know I can make people elite athletes. I mean, I've got a guy at the Olympics. I mean, I just helped with a bit of his training. He did it all himself. But, you know, I, you know I've seen athletes there and where they need to be. But, you know, the old Paul would have, would have happily seek those guys out. But gym owners, I mean, I get, I say, I get a lot of gym owners come to me and they say, how do I get the, the dedicated members in? How do I get these members in? How do I get these? And it's like, no, you want to be the best fitness gym in the community, then get the community in your door. Find the best way to get the regular people in. Get them having a great time. Have their atmosphere amazing. And I think, you know, and I think, and, and you watch it grow. Talisman, uh, Ty's gym was a really, really simple, like community gym, you know, when we started programming for him, uh, I was with the old business and um, started programming for him. And uh, he was getting programmed by the business and, and one of the other coaches was dealing with him. And uh, they did a great job. But, you know, the, the first conversation we had, the entry level and the fitness and the movement was very low level. And now he's like each week and each month, he's asking for a bit more and a bit more and something a bit more. And his community grew. And um, he, he did start with a okay caliber of athlete, but he didn't start up here. He started down here and his, his community grew and their abilities grew and their ability to educate new people coming through the door grew. And now his gym's very open door policy. He had people from all of the gyms and all of the businesses around at his gym the other, the other week um, at a competition. And, and the caliber of everyone and the caliber of the coaching and the caliber of the environment and the, the, the well-being and the enthusiasm around that space is just unreal. It's just yeah. so unreal. And he grew that and, you know, um, I really respect, I really respect him for what he's created. I think that, that shows you're better off growing your own elite athlete as opposed to 
buying them in or getting them in. You look at successful sports teams. Yes, some are are bought and, and money is used to bring them together. Uh, so for rugby, you had Toulon in France and they spent millions of people coming in, Man City, I suppose, in football. But actually, other successful teams and ones that team, tend to be successful for longer have that thing where they have they build the community, they build the team and it keeps coming up and through. So you, you have your junior section that comes up into your adult section. Yeah. And I think that, that works in a, in a gym environment like that, where you get that strong community, people then gravitate, oh, that community looks really good. There's there's one in Froome here near me, UVA, and they have a fantastic community. And you see people elevate or gravitate towards it because, well, that looks really cool. I want to be yeah. part of that. As opposed yeah. to, oh, look at that elite lifter. He's amazing. I don't want to go there because I'm a bit intimidated by him. Going back to what we said earlier, it's that fine balance, isn't it? Yeah, but if we grow together and, and it's accepting of all levels and abilities, it does create, I mean, there, there, there was always a benchmark. There was, sorry, there was always an entry level. There's always a fee. There's something. There's always something getting in the way. And some people just don't want to train. They're just not interested in exercise. Yep. Um, but we can always do, We, you know, like I said, the ownership for me it's something i take ownership of how can i encourage more people and 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 that's you know that's my responsibility and i can't blame anyone else and i can look at other people and i can say i don't agree with what they're doing or i don't agree how they're doing it but that's as far as that conversation needs to go it is what don't i agree with how can i use that is it relevant do i need to park that bit of information is it something i can use or do i just move on and actually, most of my influences don't come from the fitness industry. I've never have done. My influence is always outside of the fitness industry. Yeah. Just something you said there. People who aren't interested in getting fitter and getting healthier. And this is something that we've touched on in previous episodes with, with different people like across a number of episodes. How do we engage with those people or I suppose more relevantly, can we? People who don't care about their health. Is, is, it, is it the job of the fitness industry to try and drag them in? Or should, should we just wait for them to have the light bulb moment? I think we can just be responsible for our end of the bargain. And that is creating places where people can go when they're seeking it or uh, create enough exposure that people may be enticed to seek it. I don't think, you know, I, I can't railroad anyone into doing anything with their beliefs. And who am I, who am I to really? I'm just, I'm just an exercise instructor. <laughs> like, I think, I think, I, think I, would, I would answer that by saying we need to keep showing them, showing them the opportunities there and say that we're here when you're ready. Yeah. Um, it's good fun and then just keep showing the message and keep that's saying exactly, we're here I, th- I think that's exactly all we're trying to do at the moment is we're just trying to show hey guys like this is a bit of fun and you know not only will you get fit but there's a community here who'll love to welcome you in and have a good time making it a little bit more about the fitness um, and hope and hope that's enough because I reflect back and I think posting people puking up, puking up everywhere and really, really deep 
meaningful conversations open the door for a few people but it equally not everyone's at that stage of their journey and not everyone that's not everyone's door you know some of us are and you know some of us i will still always be that black and white guy who goes a little bit too hard on the bike and, and makes himself sick and that does get me in, in, enticed but to assume everyone's me and to assume that's the only way to reach people would be it would be very old fixed mindset and very naive of me and i'm not really sure like i said i'm not really trying to do a sales pitch on the program i'm just showing what's happening that's it yeah that's all i can do yeah there shouldn't be a sales pitch on health I think it's just, hey, he's health. He's what we can do. And, you know, he's some other options and he's the way we can make it fun. He's the way we can encourage you. And he's the support we can offer. He's our door. It's open. And it'll still be open tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And that's all we can do. And, you know, all Paul would have been, taught myself in the third person, all Paul would have been, you know, <laughs> Wow, well, if you're not knocking hard enough or you don't come through the door or you don't go hard enough for the first workout, you're not coming in. And at the time, I was trying to build an elite team. And I thought that was one way of, at the end of the day, I'm here because I did that. It was functional. It was, it was part of the journey. And we built an elite team. I wasn't particularly liked at the end of it. I wasn't particularly, you know, whatever. But we went to regionals all of those times. We had the elite team. We had individuals who love working hard. We built a culture of incredible athletes. And, you know, I guess the vision and the outcome was what it what it set out to be. It just didn't also take into a lot, into take into account a lot of other factors around it, which which matter to me more now. Yeah, um, that's fair. You know, and that's the bigger community. It's not, it's not, it's not our gym versus the world now. It's it's the world. <laughs> So you're, you're six months in. Yep. Where are you in six months' time? I don't know. Because we're where we were meant to be in six months' time. <laughs> Wherever you want to be. <laughs> no, no, we've we've so we I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be one of the conversations uh, this weekend we're gonna have. Not at uh, we're, we're gonna go down to uh obviously this will have passed by the time it comes out, but we're off to London tomorrow. We're gonna sit down, we're gonna have a strategic chat. Me and Hindley, we're taking on board Jack, who's a great guy. Um, I've got a couple of other individuals who feel like they're part of the crew and it's trying to find out where they fit and what they do. Um, you know, the likes of you, Katie uh, Street, Katie Street, um, the likes of um, Elora and a few, and many others, I'm sure, I, I have seemed to be having a strategic or influential role on on the people around them and getting more people involved um, is certainly one thing. Growing the community, um, extending into the into we're referring to it as the metaverse, but extending into that Web three um, area and breaking that down. So there'll be a new program that's going to be accessed via an NFT, and you will get free from then. And it's going to, but it's going to encourage. Um, people to to trade that their ticket on so that they can uh, regain that their, their financial investment, but also so that they can um, open the program up to other people and they remain their their programming. And 
we want to gamify that scenario a little bit. So there will be um, a thousand workouts that were re reflected, um, will be selected randomly one per day for the next year. And some of those workouts will be shiny Charizards of the workout category and we'll unlock other things like merchandise and stuff like that. And, you know, that's that's our, that's one of our plans going forward is how to open that up to a new era and um, a new style and, and, and hopefully a new reach in the fitness industry and a new way of communicating with people uh, along with developing the programs further. And um, like I say, taking on board the training side, a step away from the competitive side whilst creating the competitive side. And also, um, as you may know, or you know, we've obviously got the gym opening up in Larissa in Greece um, at the foot of, Mount, well, the town is at the foot of Mount Olympus. And, you know, that is, that is the first of, that is the first of, of, of something. And we hope to, expand that as part of the OTP family. So, you know, the opening up the gyms is about creating cool gyms in those environments. Um, but it's also a way of, 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 of encouraging the supportive attitude and the group of people we've got and opening that up to places that don't have that. Cool. Exciting. So, yeah, I don't really have a business plan going forward. We are just doing and growing and seeing and having a mentality and a common objective to make people fair um, and the platforms in which we may do that. But equally, we didn't know NFTs were three months ago. We didn't know we'd be here now. And um, we're seeking opportunities within the landscape to do things differently. I think that's the thing now at this point in time you don't know what's around the corner in terms of, well, nobody could have predicted the pandemic. Technology moves far quicker than our brains can comprehend. And I think having a long-term plan now and that being set in stone is probably a bit, a bit daft hmm. because who knows? Who knows what's going to crop up? Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. but but what we can sort of develop is the, like we're all doing, right? The upskilling, the attitude, the mindset. And, you know, what I do know is if we go into another, another lockdown, is I am much more confident about the people who are on the programme. I am much more confident on how they will handle it in the next one because I know they've got each other. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's not going to affect their lives. I'm not saying it's going to not going to be difficult, but there's a group of people who weren't together six months ago who are now. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel confident of that network of people that the skill set you've got Kerry Jones, who's like a designer and makes mugs and does cool stuff, you know, Look up, look at you guys, podcasters. Paul's an author now. You know, you can buy a book <laughs> on Amazon. That's legit. Like, you know, you've got these things going on that you guys weren't capable of. And I know that, I know if someone messages you, listen to your podcast, or I know someone messages Paul because they're struggling. I know they're in good hands. 
you know, and and I feel like we've got a, a network of people there who are going to be much more capable. And so moving forward, increase our capability, continue to develop our understanding, continue to work with upcoming technologies and constantly ask ourselves, how does that connect with fitness in the real world? That's the thing. And, and if we can constantly do that, then, you know, maybe Web3 will give it, maybe Web3 won't get as many, it might get everyone in the metaverse or get everyone, whatever it is, the next web, whatever. Maybe it won't just get, but if we can impact that from a, from a fitness perspective, maybe everyone won't be stuck just in the metaverse. Maybe everyone will be, you know, hey, you're doing 100,000 kilometers on the Peloton, get you something sent in the mail. Maybe this and that. And yet people are always going to try and cheat the system, but equally, we get a bigger opportunity to get to. It's a bigger opportunity to get people fitter, not less. It's yeah. it's yeah. only small. It's, it's only going to reduce people's physicality if we sit back and let it and think we're not part of that story. Yep. Yeah. So that's fair. that's that's our job as yes, cat. That's our job as fitness pioneers yeah the cat stole the show <laughs> the no cat one al- can see my cat <laughs> yeah the cat always does the cat always comes in <laughs> and she likes to know what's going on she tends to sit yeah. in my wife amy's probably gone out to bed but uh yeah that is the wife. alarm it's like this conversation's gone on too long sending the cat She's either out in the garage or trying to sit on my lap somewhere with me. Bless her. No, I think I think that it's a good way of, of, of kind of moving forwards. And you, this evening you've opened up a Discord chat for people on OTP to have a conversation in a, in a safe space with some clear clear guidance and ground rules. And that will probably open up more, more conversations and maybe from someone that is on on the program maybe it will make us go hey do you want to meet up you know and we're all in different parts of the country but maybe we'll have our own little otp get-togethers or something like that yeah, i don't know well, the teacher's not invited <laughs> <laughs> that's where it's going i'm like i'm like how's this conversation happening without me now no and that's great <laughs> no, that's the best thing and you know the disc the discord is there is because two things one i thought it was a cool interesting way of doing it and secondly i have a bunch of clients who don't want to publicly share their fitness or their journey, but will will much more. But said to me, like, send me direct messages, just being like, oh, I'm really excited about meeting the community. Or, you know, there's a lot of affiliates out there who don't want to encourage people to do other people's programming. And those people are um, doing it in isolation and, and being quiet with the community. And it, it's giving them an opportunity to have, hey, here's a safe environment. Have a chat about it. It's okay. You know, because, you know, a lot of affiliates are selling their own programs or doing their own things and 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 people have to honor that i think and i think publicly honor that you know um because it's their life because it's their jobs it's where they're at but i think equally they would like to be part of a discussion and there's some people who equally just are a bit quieter and don't want to have that big public outburst or they're not ready to share things on instagram and but might want to ask a question and and that's really, really cool. You know, I think it's really cool that we have that space for people and I hope people use it the way they should and honor it. And, and it's equally, it takes them away from having to ask me questions when they could easily just be like, you know, 
you know, you get those members, right, where they don't want to ask the coach. They don't want to put their hand up and say, can you repeat the workout? And I'll just say to someone, what did he mean then? What was yeah. he going on about? You know what I mean? And it's, um, and I think it gives you, it gives the, 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 the members a chance to have a space where they can just help each other out a little bit. And, and, that's, and that's all I hope from it. Brilliant. It's going to be interesting to see what comes up in there. Yeah, yeah I don't even go in. <laughs> it's like log out. Go on. I, I don't even go in. I've got. I've. I've set. The, I've set the moderators onto them. The moderators are there with the power to remove anyone. <laughs> but I've got the moderators there with there to just keep keep the chat going and just to ensure that it's that it stays a safe space and that um, that there's enough cool chat going around that helps people grow. Yeah. Um, we've covered a lot of ground. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's what's there for. Yeah, that's that's why we're here. Um, I never usually say anything useful. I usually just go on, go off on board about something. No, you didn't even ask good. me half the questions I answered. No, we did, we. <laughs> do you know what? That's not that's not true. We did, but you didn't even know it. <laughs> that's just Jedi mind tricks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, you answered all the questions that we had but didn't ask. Yeah, right. okay, cool. There we go. Yeah, exactly. How are you guys? Cool. So where, where can people find you if you um, want to be found? On the program, um, Instagram handle. Not not on <laughs> not on TikTok yet. But um, yeah, just on the program's Instagram handle. Um, I don't even remember what it is. It's got lots of underscores. At underscore <laughs> on. Uh, I'll, I'll double check. Let's double check it so I get it right. I'm pretty sure it's at on underscore the underscore pro underscore gram. That's what it is. There we go. On the program. I shall, yeah. when I put this out, I shall tag both on the, on the underscore the program, the underscore yeah the, that one the pro <laughs> underscore the gram yeah. and the paul underscore 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 warrior underscore 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 and there's not that many underscores is there it's got a lot <laughs> i don't know it was no, already got, taken it was one of the other paul warriors it's not it's paul underscore warrior underscore underscore i know i, I was just i was i was just uh exaggerating the name. put my real name out there Thank you for breaking your six months worth of silence with us. That's all right. I didn't show up the whole time. <laughs> no, this is how our conversations go. Yeah, I know. We, we, do it, we do it quite frequently. This isn't the longest conversation me and you've had. No. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not about listening to Sean and Roy on these podcasts. It's about listening to the guests. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Yeah, cool. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Amazing. I catch you guys later.